Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton and special guest host Kim Winter here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Kim, how are we doing? Hey, Scott. Salam alaikum from a balmy evening here in Dubai this evening, about 80 degrees Fahrenheit and uh, <laughs> having, a, having a good time. And uh, and just a special hello to everybody on a happy Lunar New Year in uh, in Asia. Excellent point. And and Kim, it's so great to, to reconnect with you, have you here on the Supply Chain Buzz. I think this is your first time on the Buzz. Uh, so uh, Kim always delivers. He's much like uh, the Postal Service here in the States, always delivers. And, of course, you've got an award-winning vodcast, uh, leading logistics executive group. Uh, we got you up in the middle of the night there in Dubai joining us uh, to bring your goodness here at the Buzz. So uh, I'm convinced you've got a couple of clones to help keep everything moving. Is that right, Kim? Total pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Help us everywhere. You just can't see them. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh, kidding aside, great to have you here. But folks, it's the Supply Chain Buzz. Every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time, uh, we bring some of the leading news of the day across global supply chain. As uh, Kim's appearance here uh, proves that out, uh, we've got Mark Holmes, special guest, times two today. Mark Holmes with InterSystems is going to be joining us about 1225 Eastern time. So buckle up and get ready. He's going to be talking about, amongst other things, the supply chain spider web. Is that intriguing or what, Kim? That sounds pretty exciting to me, Scott. Let's <laughs> bring it on. Tarantula, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> supply chain superheroes here, uh, certainly. Uh, we're going to say hello to a few folks that are tuned in uh, in just a second. But before we do, Let's uh, share a couple of quick things we've got coming up, uh, Kim. Of course, we're talking about supply chain data a lot over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we invite folks to join us for our webinar with our uh, friends at Infor tomorrow, uh, the 1st of February. Already, Kim, the 1st of February, 2022, join us at 12 noon Eastern time as Corinne and I chat with Monica Trilsch with Infor. You can learn more about that via the link in the show notes. And we mentioned, uh, Kim, Mark Holmes. Well, guess what? we got a, a little bonus uh, for folks today. Not only are you going to hear him here uh, at the bottom of the hour, I think that's r roughly about 12.25 p.m. Eastern time, but uh, equally as important, he's going to be joining us on a webinar next week, February 11th, talking about data at the heart of supply chain resiliency and agility. Got to be, uh, yeah, be up for that. Yeah. One. Oh, man. Yes. Yes. We're going to have to wake up. Wait, Kim Winter up once more to join us for this webinar on the 11th. Um, let's see, what else are we? Uh, the Reverse Logistics Association, their 18th annual conference and expo. Kim, you ever been to Las Vegas? Been to Las Vegas, love it. Ready to come back anytime. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to go together next time, but we'll be there. Amanda and I'll be there next week as we're interviewing some of the movers and shakers across this ever, um, uh, this really important space that's only gaining in its importance, right? Returns management, reverse logistics, you name it. Uh, that helps power the e-commerce industry that we all love for sure. And then finally, our supply chain, our 2022 supply chain and procurement awards nominations are open, Kim. 
folks, we've got nine different categories uh, for both companies and individuals. There's something for everybody. Uh, you can be, it doesn't matter where your company is, you are able to nominate and you can learn more at our website, supplychainprocurementawards.com. And Kim, get this. The best part is we've got this nomination fee. All that gets donated to our friends at Hope for Justice, a powerful nonprofit doing some big things um, to in the fight against modern slavery and human trafficking. So I'm, nom I'm nominating a couple of people from uh, the Asia Pacific Basin just to get the donation. And so, <laughs> we'll yeah, go. man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's always said around here. If you want to get something to happen, if you want to make it happen, get Kim Winter involved. And uh, <laughs> so you, you always bring it. But let's say hello to a few folks here. We've got uh, Rajesh uh, tuned in via LinkedIn from India. Great to have you here, Rajesh. Uh, let's see here. Zohaib is tuned in from Kuwait, uh, also via LinkedIn. Uh, let's see, James Doyle. Turn, oh, you, know, you may know James, James uh, tuned in from Dubai. I was with James this morning. He was hosting an ITP media event, a three-hour roundtable, and uh, I was sitting right next to him. There you go. <laughs> well, James, thanks for, for staying up with us here and looking forward to your perspective as we get through the conversation. Eugene from Kenya. Yeah. Hello, Eugene. Tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to see you here. Uh, have you ever met Dr. Rhonda, Kim? I don't think I have. Oh, you got it. Um, she is doing some wonderful things from a wellness and a you know work-life balance perspective in supply chain. So great to see you here, uh, Dr. Rhonda Bampenza Zimmerman. Uh, Asan is tuned in from Iran. Great to see you here, uh, Asan, via LinkedIn. Kumar is tuned in. Roger Carr from the upstate of South Carolina. Uh, Roger, I'm surprised we didn't get a weather report. Um, but, you know, I don't know, Ken, we're getting lots of snow here from what, um, what they calling it. The, <laughs> they're calling it the, um, uh, the big bomb blast or bomb <laughs> snow, snow bomb or something. I don't know. But Roger, hope this finds you well. Great to have you back. Tom Valentine, old TV, is tuned in. He, he's in the Atlanta area, dear friend of the show, uh, mover and shaker out in supply chain. And you know Daryl, uh, Kim. I sure as hell do. Know him very well. <laughs> Known him since 1989. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daryl, it's been too long. Great to have you here today and looking forward to your uh, contributions. And finally, I know we can't hit everybody, but Helmet is back with us. And the Helmet is always good for uh, wonderful POV and perspective as we work our way through uh, the topics of the day. Great to see you here from France uh, via LinkedIn. Okay, so Kim, we've got we got to get down to uh, do our, our work before we have our featured guest pop in with us. Are you ready to get to work? Yes, bring it on. Let's do that. So I want to start with uh, a little factoid. You know, we're, we're big fans of uh, all things, all types of trivia, but especially supply chain trivia. And we'll start with this little factoid here. Check this out. This is from our friends at Wall Street Journal. 18.7% for anyone, anyone that might be listening to this in a replay in the future. 18.7%. So according, that is according to the IATA, which was pointed out, it's not IATA, it's IATA, the International Air Transport Association. 18.7% is the growth in air cargo traffic worldwide in 2021 over 2020. And that is um, not only is that an increase year over year, but that's a 6.9% gain over even the pre-pandemic yeah. uh, measure in 2019. So air cargo is hot, Kim. 
off the rails. And uh, actually, we were talking about Daryl before. Daryl and I used to be in the airline industry in the 80s in uh, New Zealand. And uh, Daryl is very heavily involved in consulting in the space. So he would be able to give us, I'm surprised if we don't see some more ad some more numbers coming up from him. But, uh, look, it's it's off the hook. Uh, Air Cargo, of course, as well as the sea carriers, have been benefiting hugely during uh, COVID, and uh, everybody's scrambling for aircraft at the moment. Yes. Well, that is a great segue, Kim, an unplanned segue to really our first story. So you'll remember the 18.7%, as, as Kim mentioned, we're going to see a lot more about Air Cargo in, in the months ahead. So check this out. According to CNBC, Airbus is betting big on air cargo. In fact, it's creating its own air cargo line that it's going to call Airbus Beluga Transport. Yeah. You know, so when they launched that Beluga aircraft, I don't think it, Beluga wasn't part of the name. The market coined that, and so they just embraced it, I believe, is how that story goes. Um, Kim, the air cargo market stayed steady as we were just talking about through the pandemic with many things in flux, as we all know. We don't have to rattle them off, certainly port traffic. But because of all that, shippers have turned more and more to air cargo to get around delays, although certainly paying a lot more for it. Now, Airbus has older Belugas. I didn't realize um, you know, they started producing Belugas back in the mid-90s. The initial one was based on the A, um, A300 wide-body aircraft. And the newer ones, the Beluga XLs, that's a hot phrase lately, <laughs> uh, are based on the A330s. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, they've been producing since the mid-90s. Um, Air Beluga Transport, Kim, will focus on large cargo for the space, oil and gas, and military um, part uh, sectors. So your thoughts on what Airbus is doing? Well, I, I, you know, it's, it's almost a natural progression, I guess, Scott, because the, the capacity issue has just gone through the roof. Um, you know, the, the demand has not been able to be met by supply and air capacity. We talked about sea before as well. We know what's happened to sea cargo rates, both on reefer and on normal containers to use. But back to the air, I mean, rates in the air have gone up three, four, five, six hundred percent during COVID, just because of the increased demand. And we can talk a little bit today, I'm sure, Mark, about why that is. But yeah, natural progression. Those aircraft are the comparatives to uh, the Antonovs, of course, with the big. Big wide belly aircraft, big wide aircraft, and uh, they've got plenty of capacity. Yeah, agreed. And man, the things you could fit in a Beluga XL. Look at this thing, man. That's the. Uh, I was telling Greg, you know, so, so Greg was in Kansas City uh, with his Chiefs in the Bengals game, and I texted him and said, "Hey, we gotta get one of these Belugas, take the whole team and a studio, <laughs> and then some to uh, to a football game." But it's amazing. Uh, I'm gonna share a couple quick comments. Uh, let's see here. Dr. Rhonda. Hey, I appreciate these comments. Uh, ready to listen, learn today. She says, thank you for all the insightful experiences with you and your guests and the team. You are welcome, but thank you. For, I really appreciate all the folks that show up in the cheap seats, the, the sky boxes and share comments and have enjoyed your interviews and your streams. So great to have you here. So Daryl, right on point, Kim, as you shared, Daryl says, return of the freighter over passenger capacity. He says the, uh, they use them to shuttle Airbus wings and fuselage equipment around to assembly lines. Yeah, you got lots of room for that, right, Kim? That's it. That's it. Now they're opening them up as such a successful aircraft. Uh, be interested to know. Daryl will probably go and find out for us right now how many they've got, but they'll have plenty <laughs> of them out there. Don't worry. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see 
uh, how Boeing responds. Of course, Airbus and Boeing are, are, are uh, big competitors these days. Mm. Um, now, here comes from a shipper. So Roger says, we use air cargo on all overseas medical laboratory, uh, laboratory supply chain. Worth the extra cost to meet the ever-growing demands. Excellent point there. And uh, Kim, you may not know, Roger, one of the things he does uh, is they process a lot of COVID tests at, at their at their operation. So Roger, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, Lucy, great to see you uh, from Dubai. Do you happen to know Kim? Uh, Kim, you happen to know Lucy? Sure as hell do. Yeah. She's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's only about 10 million people here, Scott. So I mean, we're right. like New Zealand, there's only billion of us. We know everybody and the sheep. <laughs> so really quick, Kim, uh, how long, now, Dubai is a fascinating place, yeah. uh, all the innovation, including supply chain and, and other parts, other other business sectors. Uh, it's really intriguing. How mm -hmm. long have you been in Dubai? Uh, we set up business here 18 years ago. So we came in early, uh, early business license and uh, part of our 12 office network around the world, everywhere but in the uh, US of A at the moment, Scott, so every other continent. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking, I was, was at a nightclub on Saturday night. There were only three nightclubs when we came here in 2004. Now there's 303. So, <laughs> but uh, hey, supply chain folks have to have a place to, to take the the um, take the stress off, right? Yeah. Um, but but well, no, I love explosive, 18 explosive growth, Scott, and yeah. uh, you know, really well organized city. And we've done very very well with COVID, with central direction from the government. Um, lockdown early and then major, major inoculation. So we're, we're doing real well and have done right away from word go. Excellent. Excellent. Well, who knows? We'll have to do a, um, a, a supply chain buzz episode from Dubai at some point soon, but sure. great to have you here. And Lucy, yeah. again, welcome. Um, all right. We got to keep on working, right? We, our, our bosses are really tough on us here. Yeah. Uh, Kim, I want to talk about um, this story from CNN business. So consumers, as you might expect, are finding more and more ways to get around these ongoing supply chain challenges. And unsurprisingly, of course, they're going to use more and more tech to do just that. So this is, um, so Kim, check the story out. This is, uh, you're going to learn some things, I bet, because I learned some yep. things as I was, I was diving a little deeper. So the modern day consumer, as we know, is savvy and enterprising. And, and you know, when we as consumers encounter obstacles to getting what we want, when we want it, course, we're going to find workarounds. The inventory challenges in recent years have, get this, have created an army of what they are calling professional stock hunters, yep. professional stock hunters. So if you're looking for a PlayStation 5 or shirts or face masks, or I should say Nintendo Switch for my son, Ben, who's a big Switch fan, <laughs> and he's gotten into Fortnite now, Kim, but I'll <laughs> save that story for later. But these hunters have set up platforms to offer market intel. Yep. Some use social and platforms like Substack to communicate their, their findings and their data. Other hunters have created apps like Stock Drops mm -hmm. and Hot Stock, yep. the article uh, from CNN Business speaks to. And that leverages not only the business partnerships that those uh, organizations, those apps uh, create with the retailers, but of course, uh, artificial intelligence to share inventory intel with consumers. Yeah. All these resources helping consumers uh, consumers battle what has been deemed, get this, Grinch bots, Grinch bots, <laughs> automated, <laughs> I don't, I'm not making this up, automated <laughs> buyers of certain products that allow some folks to manipulate and make money off of limited yeah. availability of products. So I'm going to turn over to you, Kim, but I'm going to start with, I wonder how Dr. Seuss 
would take his, one of his pop, most popular characters uh, being used to describe bots. I don't know. Kim, your take. Yeah, well, it's really, it's right out there, isn't it? I mean, and it's all about data, uh, Scott, as we know. And, you know, five years ago, everybody was talking about you need to digitize your supply chains. Well, now if you haven't digitized your supply chain, then you're probably on your way out of business. So <laughs> it, it really has been a massive change. Uh, but, but to flip that, you know, so obviously uh, getting to the, the core of inventory, following supply demand, supply uh, capability and then especially consumer demand is the name of the game. And as I said, in the ITP, FARI, which is a, a software company in, a, in uh, India, sponsored this yep. ITP media event I was on this morning on a channel. And uh, what we're finding out now is that we've got mobile inventory and fulfillment to the level through data, through predictive data and in analytics, so that within a few minutes now, within not only within a day or an hour, uh, you've got somebody turning up with whatever it was that you've ordered. So you've got mobile inventory in vehicles and on people for uh, consumer electronics. So it's just going right so off. So cool. My end. It's right out of it's 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 how you you'd expect Buck Rogers maybe to be running yeah. uh, their, their supply chains or something. Um, it's fascinating. Uh, it's an intriguing time to be in supply chain challenges and all. Uh, yeah. And and they hear the innovations that's coming out of this, and, and some of this, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Mark Holmes with InterSystems will be joining us uh, in about uh, eight nine minutes uh, to speak to some of this, including the supply chain spider web. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, all right, I'm going to ask you in just a second. I'm going to get some of your observations on uh, the workforce, the talent side, right, the labor market side. It's, it's also fascinating right now to see what's going on there. But before yeah. we do, Jose is tuned in from Southern California. Jose. Uh, coffee. I'm, I'm getting this wrong, Jose, but it's like coffee talk with logistics or or something. Drop, Jose, drop that link in there. I love your your weekly live streams focused on the wide world of logistics. Um, let's see here. Also, I wanted to point out, um, Daryl. So Daryl's posing a tough question to you here, Kim. Uh, let's see here. What does what do you make of today's announcement that the UAE will introduce its first tax on corporate profits for uh, non-free zone companies uh, from mid 2023? What what's this going to do? I guess he says uh, to the UAE, which yeah. has a gateway hub between a which is a gateway hub between Asia, Europe, and Africa. Your thoughts there, Kim. Uh, well, I think of five years ago or more, if people had said that the UAE, which has been built at spectacular pace, width and depth over the last 20 years, um, probably one of the fastest, if not fastest growing city in the world, it was going to introduce tax. A lot of people wouldn't have come here. But the, the advantages of what the UAE has built in the middle of this region and as a global hub, I personally think uh, there'll be a lot of debate about this tomorrow because it just broke today. Um, because this has been a tax-free haven globally. Mm. But I think, I think it's going to go okay. Uh, you know, companies here for, the right, here for the right reason, it's one of the world's biggest logistics hub, air, sea, road, and now rail. And uh, I, I think it's going to go okay. I saw it and I had a look at it. I said, what's it going to do to affect us? And, you know, I, I think it's fine. Big, all the big companies in the world are here and a lot of regional right. companies, business to be done. Right. Well, we will keep our finger on the pulse. Uh, appreciate y'all bringing that late breaking news for the UAE and we'll, we'll see how it plays out. As I, as I mentioned, I got Jose's show wrong. Coffee break logistics. 
Uh, so y'all got to check that out on LinkedIn. Jose, uh, always great conversations, great guests. Uh, Dr. Rhonda says uh, this consumer, <laughs> meaning herself, wants to know what's going on with pasta shortages. My husband lost a bet, she says, uh, lost a bet with her and is supposed to make me fettuccine Alfredo. He's willing to pay whatever. He's not a cook. This is a first. So you can mark the price up. And he'd never know. <laughs> I love that, uh, Dr. Rhonda. Uh, we will keep uh, our finger on the pulse of that bet and see when your husband uh, makes good for it. But I don't, I'm not sure. I haven't seen, uh, and I haven't, Kim, I don't know about you. I haven't seen uh, any pasta sh shortages where we live. Any Anything on your side of the pond? No, we're well stocked here. There's actually no shelves being short of anything in this part of the world. And in actual fact, when COVID struck, the governments uh, right across the seven emirates and the federal government here went full on into food security. And there's been billions spent uh, in the UAE to manage, make sure the food security once that glitch occurred in the early COVID period. So, you know, huh. it's all about food security. All about food security. Good stuff there. Yeah. Um, okay. So final question. I want to pose this to you, Kim, before mm -hmm. we bring on our guests here today, Mark Holmes with InterSystems. Um, clearly one of the big things that logistics executive group does is, is help organizations find talent. So you and your team have got the finger on the pulse when it comes to the, the, uh, the talent market, uh, globally. So what's a couple observations you could share with our listeners about what you're seeing uh, here as we get through the first month of the year? Sure. Thanks, Scott. Okay. So 22 years in executive search, pretty much everywhere around the world, even a little bit in the U S even though we're not there. Uh, one word explosive. Logistics and supply chain has, and any recruiters or anybody to do with HR uh, inside of organisations, government, private sector, whatever, will agree with me, I'm sure, and let's see if they do with any comments, but it is explosive. There has never been such a high demand for talent, but it's not normal, it's not your normal traditional supply chain logistics transport type uh, requirements. It, it's Everything's going digital, everything's going technology, everybody's going data. It's the e-commerce drive, of course. And what's been driving that? And in places like Australia, for example, they've been paying people so much during the, during the COVID. I think they, they said it was $300 billion that the federal government today said we're not spending any more money. But people have been going out and spending that on goods because they can't travel. And I'm sure that's right. the same everywhere, right? right? So demand is high right across uh, e-commerce, soft skills. People are more now looking at uh, the millennials because they're much quicker on the tech. Uh, they're much quicker on decision-making, the baby boomers mm. like me. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and effectively what we're seeing is this massive swing. 30% maximum of the, of the talent we were recruiting before COVID would have been in the area of tech and um, that area of the supply chain and data in e-commerce, now it's 70%. And it's just a massive step change. So mm. demand is high. I don't know of a market, honestly, anywhere in the world uh, where there is not a shortage of talent for right across the supply chain. I mean, you guys have got your trucker problems. You've got all sorts of issues in terms of uh, retail, whatever. That's being played out right across the world. Right. It, it, it is... Um you know, the, to see some of the dynamics going on in the talent marketplace, whether you from the Great Recession to, uh, you know, to, to the challenge of bringing people to supply chain, maybe maybe them or their parents have different preconceived notions of, of the opportunities in supply chain. And as you and I both know, our industry globally has got to compete for the 
best of the best, right? To do some of these things that we've, we've already talked about today and some things that we'll be talking about with Mark, right? To drive this innovation, to meet the consumers where they want to be met, to um, you know, power all aspects uh, of uh, supply chain. So I bet, uh, you, I bet you can write a book about what you've been seeing in the last uh, year or so. Plenty of people are, and I might contribute a chapter here and there, but I've done that before and it's too hard. So, <laughs> so at the end of the day, but the but the big message is that if there is such a thing as a silver lining to something as disastrous as COVID globally, it is the fact that logistics and supply chain, as we know, has a much higher profile now. A lot more people understand the industry that we're in, which is about about 30% of any given economy, and people right. are being attracted. Young people are being attracted in in a bigger way than we've ever seen in the last 30, 40 years that I've been in it. And that, we're going to wrap there with that good news. That is certainly some of the great news, uh, the pulling people in, yeah. driving innovation. The industry is going to be stronger as, as we've gotten through this, this global storm um, together. So uh, look forward to more updates from you on the labor side of things. Uh, really quick, Gene Pledger. Good morning to you. I think I think uh, you came into Atlanta last week and right back out, uh, back home to I think Northern Alabama. Hope this finds you well, and uh, good to see you, Doctor Rhonda. Says back to pasta. Uh, we're still experiencing pasta shortages in Arizona. Lots of disruptions continue. True, and I think that is a great segue for our guests here today. We're going to be talking about some of what we're seeing in grocery stores and beyond. So, Kim, are you ready for me to? introduce our big guest here today on Supply Chain Buzz. Bring it on, Scott. Let's bring Mark on. Let's do it. Let's buckle up. Uh, let's welcome in Mark Holmes, Senior Advisor of Supply Chain for InterSystems. Hey, Mark. Good afternoon. How you doing? Good. Very good. Love that swoosh. <laughs> you know, it's the small things in life, as that <laughs> swoosh right. has, has certainly um, illustrated one time and time again with our team. But great to see you here today. Have enjoyed our prep conversations as we kind of uh, uh, share what we're each seeing in the industry and what we're talking about before we went live here today, Kim, is the football games over the weekend here, American football games, got everybody's attention here in the States. Mark, the Bengals uh, and the Rams have broken through, huh? Yeah, I tell you, I watched obviously both games and uh, Cincinnati, I have to give kudos to them. That was uh, that was a big turnaround. And uh, I think it's going to be a tough fight, though. Uh, in the Super Bowl. Agreed. Agreed. Now, um, Kim, uh, the Super Bowl here in the States coming up, a big, big global event. Do you, do you have any traditions on your end, Kim, for watching the Super Bowl? Yeah, well, I was playing rugby in the early 80s in San Francisco and nearly got snapped in half by a gridiron player. So I uh, <laughs> ended my, my professional rugby career. So it's a fantastic sport, really good. <laughs> but uh, I've, been, I've been to the Superdome down in uh, New Orleans and uh, follow it very, very, uh, very closely and uh, see the, all the news about retirement of your greatest player at the moment. Oh, but yeah. before you guys get too far into the, into the uh, American football, uh, let's not forget about the fantastic Australian Open that took place yesterday. Mm. Nadal, one of the greatest games ever, five hours, 30 minutes against Medvedev, and uh, that was unbelievable. I was at a bar over here and had to sort of stick around for five and a half hours, so that's uh, another story. But then we had Ashley Barty, <laughs> Ashley Barty, Australian uh, woman, Number one, been one the number one for about two years and won the Australian Open, one of only three women to win on all three services. Wow. Wow. 
records being set right in front of us. Uh, but back to, <laughs> and we're going to have to hear some of your rugby stories uh, later, Kim. But Mark, uh, going back to football, going back to the Super Bowl, a big global event. Uh, folks are going to be uh, stocking up for their Super Bowl parties. But according to USA Today, we're we're uh, finding out that there may be some disruption for our Super Bowl parties. Is that right? Yes, indeed. You know, this article really, you know, and intrigued me uh, in a very good way from the standpoint of, of, you know, the whole aspect around data. But what we saw was that they're talking about the, the shelf continues to have shortages. And they were talking about a very interesting, a, a perfect storm of, which I know we've all been dealing with, but it continues and, and in some ways uh, enhanced around weather and labor shortages. In fact, Kim was just talking about labor shortages and product, production supply continues, port congestion continues. And what I thought was interesting about the article is, is all the different impacts that it's having on, on baby formula, can't get any baby, baby formula, can't really? get cream cheese, cream cheese is an issue, uh, chicken tenders. We just heard pasta. I have to add pasta to the list. <laughs> then a, a, aluminum shortage. Now aluminum shortage is causing an issue for there's a shortage in beer. So, okay, you know, hang on a sec. Time out really quick. <laughs> because as we know, man, when when the beer supply chain gets messed with, the world stops for at least a second, right? We can't have that, can we, Mark? No, no. In fact, I'm booking a flight to Dubai because it sounds like maybe the shortages aren't there. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right. You see, Kim, for anyone listening, he was like, shh, don't tell anybody. It's our little secret. Keep going to Australia. Um, Keep going to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, so all kinds of disruptions continue. Yeah play out and you, you you named a bunch of the, the products that uh it's impacting here there and everywhere um wh- what is being done about it what, what do you think supply chains are doing about it uh to to, to remedy these issues yeah you know it, it all plays into and uh and, and kim did talk about it too it's, it's a data play it's a huge data play and there's there's tons of data out there you know right and when you talk about all these different types, the baby formula, the cream cheese, the beer, and, you know, that's a huge ecosystem around the world. There's thousands and millions of transactions that are taking place. So it's like, you know, how do we bring all of that together and, and manage with actionable insights disruption mm. to mitigate disruption? Really quick, uh, when, you, when you say actionable, that may, makes me think of the, the uh, comment Kim made about um, different um, generations of talent making decisions mm. faster, but they, to your point, Mark, they got to have um, insights and data, not all the noise, but actionable information at their fingertips. Is that right? Yeah. And in fact, you, you used a good term in the very beginning about like a, a spider web, right? So we, we do what, what's called a smart data fabric architecture. We use that. So smart data fabric architecture, it's like a connected web. You know, how do we bring in all of this data from all these disparate data sources and be able to harmonize and normalize that data, mm. but then use within the platform, we use embedded analytics with AI and ML and BI, and then embedded interoperability to deal with all those different workflows to then create intelligent, actionable insights. All right. So, Kim. Uh, get your take. When I hear uh, harmonize and normalize, it makes me uh, think I'm listening to a Stevie Wonder tune, the, the, the iconic <laughs> Stevie Wonder, right? Uh, but I love those words, right? We can use more harmony everywhere, but certainly 
in supply chain. Kim, you're taking what Mark's sharing? Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. What we're seeing, we see things from the lens of an executive search firm, but also with the consulting side of our business, uh, corporate advisory and M&A. And what we're seeing around the M&A, and most particularly uh, globally, is that when companies are going in to do their DD uh, into the data data warehouse, it's now just how advanced and how integrated is integrated is the data set, the software that organisations have got. How quickly can they integrate? Uh, we talked previously, Scott, about the cold chain and the two big American companies, Miracold and Lineage Logistics, rolling up right. the entire world's cold chains at the moment, and they're going great guns. Um, happy to work with those organisations, by the way. And and at the end of the day, the, the speed to acquisition by companies like Lineage in particular is all about how do they integrate the data and how can they move mm. so quickly. So, Mark, I'll get you to respond to that because uh, – Kim's, you know, we're, we're talking about supply chain, right? Powering supply chain, but Kim's kind of adding this wrinkle of, you know, fueling um, M&A work and, and acquisitions and you name it. Speak to that a little bit, Mark, if you would. Well, I think if I, if I just keep it from a, a data perspective, right, within, you know, what we can do around actual insights is, you know, I, I did hear a little bit, Kim, what you just said about real time, because you want to be able to, and you, earlier you talked about too around, uh, a, a talent issue, right? We can't get enough of the talent that we need. And we hear that so often. And especially with a lot of all these shortages and disruptions is causing regional issues on, on demand fluctuations. Mm. And, you know, how can we use, you know, that whole aspect of getting to prescriptive analytics? So determine in real time what's happening now and use the, the software itself to be able to leverage that that prediction and that prescriptive capability to understand where there is going to be disruption and how to mitigate it and turn mm. that into intelligent actual insight. Yeah. I love that. Okay, I gotta bring this comment in. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Korai Kose uh with Gartner is back with us here. Uh I love his POV here. I think and I think this is him. Uh y'all hit me in the private chat and big thanks by the way to Amanda Chantel and Catherine for driving the production on the other side. But Karai says, created my own supply chain for baby formula made in Switzerland and sent through Germany to the U.S. from order to delivery three days. My wife's comment was, supply chain, folks. Ah. <laughs> uh, plus, ordering in bulk, he got a discount. He changed his 3PL once for lower costs in the last couple of years. They must be going through some serious baby formula, Mark and Kim. You, you must have an army of uh, babies there, uh, Karai. But <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Um, so kidding aside, Mark, uh, actionable insights, uh, pull, you know, everything is, is kicking off data. It feels like these days, right. Between sensors and, and, uh, yeah. even, yeah. even we've seen some where right there from the shelf store, uh, store shelves there, we've got some new, uh, innovation where the sensors, right, right from the time you pick a can off the shelf is shooting a sensor back up to, uh, to the supply chain teams. Fascinating, isn't it, Mark? It is. Yeah, it is. And, and in fact, a lot of that technology, you know, a Amazon does that when you go, you know, grab and go and, and it's giving you and, and that information of, you know, not only so that you can walk out in a frictionless way, right? You can walk out the door and it just automatically connects into your, uh, in, in, into your iPhone. But, but what do you do though to get the product even to there? It's, it's efficient at that point, no doubt. 
but that data then has to be, it's a broader perspective because mm. you're not going to worry about the rest of the ecosystem of how am I going to replenish that product when it's being used and be able to sense way beyond that. And a term I like to use a lot is rebalance. How can I rebalance my supply chain in the most optimal way to be able to meet ultimately that on-shelf availability or we hear so much around on time in full? Right. So, I think okay. one of the uh, I think one of the big trends we've seen there, Mark, is is a couple of big things there. Uh, talking to what you just mentioned, there's one with the likes of the big move by Amazon and others, but as the lead in that space of getting to the micro fulfillment centres, using data, predictive analytics to be able to move much much closer to the customer, mm. get this whole thing passed overnight into the morning or out in the afternoon, whatever it might be, much much closer to when the requirement of the customer is. And the other thing we're seeing, major, major driver on, on data is the fact that the big carriers, especially the ocean carriers, have this massive, massive trend of them, of course, jumping right across the entire supply chain. So a lot of carriers, see ocean carriers now end-to-end -end supply chain companies and using data to be able to make sure they can manage the bookings with limited capacity and we've seen mm. what's happened in pricing in terms of capacity but the data is driving that whole equation excellent point your response mark yeah actually i was going to jump on that you know very interesting uh you know we uh we're working with which just became the largest container uh company uh, in the world and to your point exactly is the reason why we're working with them is the whole aspect of supply and demand forecasting how can we, I mean, you can imagine being the world's largest leader, the amount of transactions that are coming in and, you know, knowing when it's coming through the ports and knowing for every single customer, helping the end customer really manage their inventory, right? That's what it's all about is that right. end customer being able to manage. So ultimately that shelf is filled with the product that they need, right? On time in full down to item level. And again, it's all of the data play, you know, how can I, how can you really create the most uh, simplistic integrated platform that's going to take all of that together? We talked about that ingestion of data, harmonization and normalization, embedded analytics and embedded interoperability and workflow all, all together. And then be able to accelerate what time to value. How can we do <laughs> something quickly in the environment that we're in now? Mark, you paint yeah. such a pretty picture. It's like, it's like supply chain poetry. Um, really quick though, I got one last question cause I want to shift sure. over to a little more, uh, an item we haven't rattled off just yet. Um, does the supply chain spider web, uh, is that something supply chain superheroes with capes and, and costumes might, might, uh, might play in? Absolutely. And it, it goes back to exactly what I've been talking about, right? The, the you know, supply, the, the spider web, right. Is a connected web. Right. right. And that's exactly what we do with that whole smart data fabric aspect of what we're doing, where we implement, you yep. know, using that architecture and technology with our data platform, uh, using exactly that, that connected web of bringing those four capabilities that I've talked about together yep. of making those real time intelligent uh, decisions that we call actionable insights uh, to to impact ultimately uh, within manufacturing or or the end customer. Love it. All right. So it sounds like to me that supply chain was doing metaverse 
before metaverse became a thing <laughs> a little bit there that's right. um, exactly right <laughs> <laughs> all right really quick couple comments here hey marta thanks for tuning in uh via linkedin from bulgaria great to have you here look forward to any of your observations uh if, it is interesting stuff isn't it what mark and kim and we're all uh, chatting through is fascinating time and dr Rhonda speaking to well, both of y'all are sharing and mark probably this the smart data fabric yes that is uplifting and it brings some serenity now to <laughs> our daily daily fights in supply chain okay so i want to shift gears so so initially mark we were talking about this usa today story it kind of had some broad reaching um uh, implications i want to chat about uh a particular supply chain or so super bowl party supply item right because we love our guacamole right everyone it's it's man amanda makes yeah. incredible guacamole but as our friends at supply chain dive are pointing out we're gonna be paying more uh for our avocados uh this year is that right mark yeah you know it's, it's not only paying more for avocados but it's even a shortage of avocados because what we're noticing from this article that i talked about is that you know earlier we just talked about a lot of the geopolitical so there's a lot of the environment issues so severe drought in california has caused a, a significant decrease in avocado production I mean, quite significant. You know, they had one supplier, I was looking at my notes here, that was like 4,000 production uh, Q4 uh, when it used to be 387,000, you know, pounds of avocado. So it's, uh, it's unbelievable. So now what's happening is to be able to meet customer demand is start doing overseas. So how do I help to fill that gap by going overseas to avocados? But the article goes on to say, Okay, they have all these containers of avocados coming in, but guess what? They're sitting on it out out in the ocean because they can't bring them into the ports. And guess mm. what? You know, there's got a spoilage factor, even though it might be you know refrigerated. Enough. There's still a spoilage factor on it. Mm. So it is a real big yeah. disruptive issue again that is causing an impact on our potential uh, lack of avocado for the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right, so Kim, uh, you're well. Well, I can I can I can tell you guys the, the best avocados in the world are from Kenya. We get all of the our avocados here from Kenya. Let's get a boat up and running and get it over there. Get a hold of Mersk and get a ship over there with the avocados. I love it. The hey, place me an order. I'll take uh, three boxes yeah, exactly. uh, or maybe even three pallets. We love it that much around here. Uh, really quick, Mark, um, you're kind of speaking speaking to uh you know when you look for different suppliers different sources to um you know address gaps um and and address uh, shortages you're speaking it it can and oftentimes does introduce new complexity into your supply chain right right you know it is all about that complexity because look destruction is going to happen it's no doubt you know and it's it has been happening for many many years but it's certainly gotten to the point where it's the worst it's it's ever been Yep. You know, right down to chips, right? You know, trying to get, you know, uh, try to get a refrigerator, for goodness sakes. So the point <laughs> is, you know, the point is, is that, you know, that disruption, which is going to be there, how do you best mitigate it? And that's where what we've been talking about of, of providing, as we call the, the, the smart data fabric architecture into a data platform that provides all those things we talked about. It's really providing what I call, you know, we've heard so much about the smart data factory or a smart factory, right? Yep. But I and call the intelligent supply chain. How do we make our supply chains not only you know more real time, but make the data more accurate and useful 
so that you can create intelligence in the next steps to be able to optimize your decision. Yes. Mark, well said. All right, Kim, I'm going to share a couple of comments. I'm going to come to you to get your uh, response to some of what Mark is sharing. Couldn't you just hear Mark um, narrating a book? You know, he's got this, this soothing oh, yeah. voice that just, you know, if you've got a headache, it's going to melt away. Uh, so, Mark, you got to keep the good stuff coming. Uh, let's see here. Greg says, uh, and great to have you here, Greg. Uh, communication forward and backward and back up the supply chain. Trust. I'm with you, Greg. Trust. You can move mountains when you've got trust. I believe this is Korai once again. He says, having a database that's flexible and easy to create and compose fit-for-purpose applications is key. Mark's comments spot on. Not every solution comes from the outside. Excellent point, uh, Korai. Let's see. Jose says, uh, avocado has been a prime commodity for several years. China and the Middle East are great buyers now. It's a great mm. point there, Jose. And Rhonda found the emojis. Lots and lots of avocados there. Um, all right. So, Kim, based on some of what Mark was just sharing, yeah. uh, anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, just the, the discussion about risk is is really important. And we see more and more of that coming into from even the executive search side. Is A couple of our biggest clients globally now are all about trade compliance. Um, Everybody goes to our website or they see us on LinkedIn at the moment, sell these adverts up there at the moment. Trade trade compliance, um, laws, uh, regulations, uh, and all, and that's all about mitigating risk and insurance, um, all of the sort of things that you, you know you need to have in the chain. And and I guess as a segue, Mark, are we seeing the end of the terminology supply chain? Are we going to supply? supply web now <laughs> is this the program was this the time let's do it I, <laughs> today the day. so mark i want to um kidding aside i, I want to go back to a, a point you alluded to a second mm. ago and uh, i can't remember exactly how you put it it was always so eloquent mark but it, it's about hey disrupt more disruptions coming you know right, we're not right. reverting back to how things were in 2019 you know, some of the things Kim has spoken to, some of, you know, some of the things that organizations are managing and managing different these days. Um, you know, we're not going back. The genie's out of the bottle. Um, so speak to that and, and, and maybe the importance of leadership and organizations taking action rather than sitting and waiting for things to never go back. Speak to that, Mark. Yeah, no, that's good. It's a really good point. In fact, I was making a couple of notes down. I, I like that one. Um, look, it's going to be the new norm. You know, disruption is not like, you know, 2022, it's going to be gone. That's, that's not going to happen. This is going to go well into 2023. I think it's like, how can we best, best mitigate risk, right? Which we've been talking about uh, for sure across industries, whether it's retail, CPG, manufacturing, financial services, right? Healthcare. So it's just something we have to manage. But there was a comment that I thought that was good is around, you know, it, it, it's applications, right? So I think. You know, talking about, you know, uh, you know, from a data platform standpoint, it is about, you don't want to rip and replace, right? You've got so many applications that are out there that are really meant to do a really good job. I won't mention names, but around demand and supply forecasting, no one's going to be in the, in the, in the mode and in, in mood and mode in this environment to start ripping and replacing. So how can we take and just make data, make them more effective? Right. And what they're meant to do, I think, is key. So that was a good point. And hey, really quick, Mark, if I can interject yeah. for folks yes. that are in that rip and replace mood and mode, it just creates more muda. 
All right. A lot more wasted time, resources, uh, stress, right. and anxiety, right? That's right. Kim, really quick, because I think Mark's got one more point from the comments. Uh, Kim? Yeah. So, so one of the big areas that we're seeing that, that, that need in the application for risk management is in the last mile, because it is such, a, you know, first mile, mid mile, okay. But, but in the last mile, which is tends to be asset light, but there's so many people playing in that space, and you've got your reverse logistics is, is managing, getting the data, analyzing it, deploying it so that you can minimize what is a big risk on reverse logistics in particular, and where so many companies struggle to make a profit. Um, we're seeing huge focus in that area across recruitment with people who, who have the skills to manage that risk in the last mile in particular. Excellent point, excellent point. Mark, I'm gonna come to you for your, I think you had one more point. I wanna share a couple of these quick comments. So uh, Rhonda's seeing more cargo theft claims. It's been somewhat stressful seeing this occurring. I'm with you, Rhonda. Uh, Dr. Rhonda, T-squared, who holds down a fort force on YouTube. He says, new norm? More like the new abnormal. Uh, yes, uh, that is right, T-squared. And, and Kavan, you'd make him uh, smile from uh, uh, cheek to cheek right now by you using that word, or that <laughs> phrase. Greg says, how much of that material on the ships that you were alluding to earlier, Mark, is going to be obsolete before they unload and then they're going to scrap it? Yeah. Greg, excellent point there. Um, all right, so Mark, I think you had one more comment to share with us based on comments made. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, we talked about reverse logistics. Couldn't agree more, by the way, Kim. You know, the, that whole aspect is, is massive, especially in the whole omni-channel environment where people, you know, you, you can try, you know, five pairs of shoes and, you know, so many people. I mean, it's just, it's across everything now. So data is going to be key. But what I wanted to say in earlier comments, Scott, you were talking about, or maybe it was you, Kim, on top-down. So the top-down is, look, you know, we've been hearing so much with it about this. It's like I just met with 14 executives from 14 Fortune 500 companies in the last two months. And it was two things, which I thought was very interesting. One, it does need to be top down. Okay, this isn't a bottom up or in the middle, but if you're going to be going through a digital transformation and this is important, it has to be top down, number mm -hmm. one. And it's all around accelerating time to value, which means you don't want to start big. Don't boil the ocean. Let's pick an area that needs to be improved, go after it, and then expand as you learn. I like that. Uh, the rifle approach versus the shotgun uh, is an old analogy that I've heard for, for years. I think it's uh, you know that pinpoint, identify it. Don't, don't try to uh, change universe. Start, start with a very focused, targeted area. Kim, you're nodding your head. You agree with what Mark's sharing? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to jump on a comment there from Mark about the, the whole issue of of data and working up the stream. I mean, you know, the, you talk about supply chain transformation, Mark. I think we all agree transformation is a continuous element now. It's, you don't transform and then stop. You're just continually moving because the customer, mm -hmm. uh, the end user, uh, the buyer, is continually transforming. And Greg White talks a lot about this on supply chain now and uh, being all about the customer. So look, I, th I think what you're talking about is, is, is the moving feast and needing to have the technology to be able to wrestle with and, and in some way manage what is going on for a sustainable supply web. Well said. <laughs> well said. Well, we have another one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, really quick, I, I want to just kind of, put a period on our last discussion. We were talking a second ago about avocados costing more and maybe having some shortages, but uh, who knows? Maybe I'll have to reach out to Mark 
who can offer up some ways uh, to take action to protect that guacamole um, uh, supply chain. But Mark, um, I want to come back because we've got an upcoming uh, webinar. I'm going to pull the, the graphic back up here in just a second. And um, you know we're fortunate to have you back with us a yeah. second time next week, February 11th, Data at the Heart of Supply Chain Resiliency and, and Agility. What else, beyond what you've already shared here today, um, what else do you think will be an important message uh, from our webinar next week? Well, I, I tell you, I would like to go in next week into a deeper dive. We, we hear so much around data uh, interoperability, but I really like to, to go into why is that so important now in supply chain? You know, it's around mm-hmm. business processes and workflow. And I think sometimes we don't put enough emphasis on that when you want to you when you try to integrate real-time data insights, but connect it into business processes and workflows to make that ultimate decision, right decision. Okay, it's not about making a decision. It's about making the right decision. We can make decisions all day, but it's making the right decision that's going to have the most optimal impact. So I think mm. next week, I'd like to go into a little bit more around that interoperability. How do those four capabilities work together to ultimately accelerate time to value? Nobody wants to see results six months from now, eight right. months from now. We want results in, in three months. Okay, uh, things are moving too quick, way too right. quick. Well, hey, I'm sold. I'm going to register right now uh, to be part of the, <laughs> that webinar mm-hmm. next week. But folks, we make it easy, right? The link to uh, to learn more and to register, it's a free webinar, is in the show notes. And uh, I encourage y'all to check that out as we dive deeper and have more time with Mark on the 11th. Okay, so Kim, one final, I want to make sure folks know how to connect. I, you know, I knew this time would fly by, and it has. We're going to make sure folks know how to connect with Mark in just a second. But inter- interoperability, uh, some of these things that, that Kim, Mark's talking about, Kim, it's it's critical that organizations really are, ab- are able to execute uh, amongst a, yeah. a plethora of different systems and and goodness knows spreadsheets these days, right, Kim? Yeah, absolutely. I got a classic example for you: the darling of the Australian uh, uh, share market. Uh, is a company, the ASX, is a company called WiseTech, WiseTech Global. Started by a guy called Richard who used to string guitars for ACDC. He's a multi-billion billionaire now. And uh, I've met him and uh, he lives not far from where my place was in Sydney. And uh, look, that company's up 45% in the last 12 months and they're up about 400% in the last two, three years. And they're all about interoperability. They're all about joining all of the different players right around customs, all of the freight players, all the government entities, end-to-end supply chain. It's a SaaS model, and it's a classic example of the need for making it easy for organizations to work through the supply chain, get to the customer. I like that, to, to as, as Mark put it, not to make just make decisions, but make the right decisions faster because results are, are to be expected in, in a quarter or less. And yes, I think this is Korai. Interoperability is a complex word. I'm surprised I've gotten it right and haven't uh, gotten <laughs> tongue-tied several times at this point. Um, but Mark, we look forward to learning and hearing from your expertise and your experiences a lot more um, next week on the 11th. But outside of the webinar, if folks want to connect with you and the InterSystems team uh, up to some really big things, uh, driving change, and and uh, uh, you got a you've got an actionable insights factory, I think uh, as part yeah, of the InterSystems team. How can, <laughs> how can folks connect with you, Mark? 
I think two ways. I think number one, you know, I'm a big LinkedIn uh, fan and user. So please just reach out to me, LinkedIn. I will respond for sure. And also, as you can see at the bottom of your screen, uh, go to the, the www.intersystems.com. And uh, e either way, we will uh, get back to you and love to work with you. Wonderful. I appreciate that. How about that? We got a crawler. Had no idea. Um, well, hey, Mark, a pleasure. I really, I, I love the, uh, you know, ripping a couple of headlines and kind of talking through supply chain in, in, in a way that I think is really universal. And I really appreciate what you shared here today. Folks, make sure you connect with Mark Holmes and the InterSystems team. And Mark, we're looking forward to seeing you next week on February 11th. Uh, actually, I keep saying next week. Yeah, We've got think, a little, little more time, right? About a week we and a half. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we have a little time. Yeah. All right. That's Folks, good. have plenty of Thank you. <laughs> Plenty of time to register. Uh, stay safe and stay warm up there in the Boston area, Mark. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Thank you very much. This has been great. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. soon. All right. Man, I, I, I mean it. I think I could, I could listen to Mark just about read through the phone book. I know we don't have phone books anymore these days, yeah. but he, he's got a steady, yeah. just a serenity uh, to how he communicates, right? Uncle Mark. Uncle Mark doing the bedtime story for supply chain. Uncle Mark, I love, I love it. it. <laughs> it's um, nice, Caden. <laughs> well, folks, hopefully y'all have enjoyed uh, this hour. So it, it it goes by so fast. Kim, um, whether it's the stories we're talking about or some of the, some of the great stuff that uh, Mark shared with us here today, what were some of your uh, favorite things you heard? Oh, look, I, I think this this issue of data as well is well discussed, and you know, to me, it's just dramatic as a as a global search guy. You know, just so quickly in the last two years, in particular, with the escalation due to COVID, um, of the way the whole digitization and transformation of the supply chain is just is just rocketed ahead, and uh, you know, driven of course by people at home with with money to spend. They're not travelling, as I said before, so they've got to do something right. with it. So they're buying stuff, and and there's not enough capacity around the world to carry stuff around. So um, this is what we're seeing now, of course. We're seeing this, this massive issue of capacity. We're seeing a massive issue of supply and demand around the human resources, massive shortages everywhere around the world of talent. So for kids out there or anybody who's not even a kid that's wanting to change industry, get into supply chain because logistics and supply chain has become a lot sexier than what it used to. You can see how economies rely on logistics and supply chain now right across retail into the, the healthcare sector and everything else with COVID and, and what have you. So you get in amongst our industry. Agreed. Agreed. Awesome. Kim. Well, you know, I love, uh, I love a lot of what you shared and Mark, I think it was a very complimentary conversation, but in particular, I want to circle back because it's not about making decisions, right? It's about making the right decisions. Mm. Um, right. And that's such an important point. And to do that, you've got to have the right data, um, at your fingertips, right? So you can access it, the right data in time at the right time. So you can make a, uh, the, the, a robust and right uh, and beneficial decision. Okay. Um, I want to, so Greg's Sorry. been dropping some outstanding, uh, comments throughout the, uh, the, the chat here today. Greg says, take the leap, yeah. start small. Do not get into that. We need a uh, study a rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> so that's a that's a first for me. That uh, going down the rabbit hole. Oh, we got to study this, study that paralysis by analysis. No, don't do that. Trust your. I think he meant to say judgment. I'm not sure. Trust your judgment and your people. Which I love what he finished that comment on. Um, 
Allison, thank you very much for your kind uh, feedback. I appreciate that. I enjoyed Kim and um, Kim and Mark's uh, perspective here today. Dr. Rhonda says, we do want to see results sooner rather than later. And how can we facilitate helpful progress? Outstanding. All right, so Kim, uh, how can folks connect with you, Daryl, and the Heavy Hitting Logistics Executive Group team? Sure thing. So, uh, yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Kim Winter, uh, Daryl Judd, he heads up all of our corporate advisory uh, business globally. He's the MD of that business, and uh, I head up the club search executive coaching. So, yeah, LinkedIn, logisticsexecutive.com is our website, and uh, we're always happy to help people out and give them information, share, share research, any suggestions, and answer any questions. Uh and I can echo that. Yeah. If Kim's not in your network, you're missing out. So y'all connect with Kim. I think we've got his LinkedIn profile in the show notes as well. And hey, I appreciate this comment here from uh, Kora Kose. Great podcast. He says, I always walk out smarter than an hour ago. Hey, that makes our day around here, Korai. Hey, that, that, <laughs> um, Kim, we should give. Uh, so Kora Kose is, uh, is one of our volunteer executive judges as part of our supply chain and procurement awards. Uh, and we really appreciate that right. and, and and his action towards um, working with us and, and, and out in industry to eradicate modern slavery and human trafficking. We've got such more important work to do. So, Kara, thanks so much. Looking, looking, yeah, looking forward to those awards. When are they again, Scott? Just because I've yes, got time. Uh, May 18th. May 18th is the, is the award itself, uh, the, the virtual awards. And we, we may do a hybrid, maybe, but May 18th. But – more importantly, the nominations got to be in by March 1st, right? And that's supplychainprocurementawards.com. Get those nominations in. It's, it's open to wherever you are. Uh, we've got nine different categories, and uh, and the nomination fees all go to our nonprofit, Hope for Justice. Okay, big thanks, Kim awesome. Winner with Logistics Executive Group. Big thanks to Mark Holmes. With Inner Systems, that was worth the price of admission here today. A lot of good stuff. Big thanks to the whole team behind the scenes, helping to make production happen. Amanda, Chantel, Catherine, Karen. Uh, big thanks to all those folks. Uh, folks, make sure you connect with Kim. Make sure you connect with Mark. Be like, be like these guys, right? Do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.